0: sci-fi for me presents jason hunt and timothy harvey this is the h20 podcast Isn't that fun? It is. It
1: is fun. It is fun. Uh, Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to this 164th episode of the H2O podcast. I never thought that I would... Say those words again. <laughs> Hello, Tim the Harvey. Hello, Jason Hunt. And for those of you who are watching live online, yes, I know the names are in the wrong place because the original plan was for us to be sitting in different places, but because of the gremlins that are in the station, we have had to make adjustments. So I'm going to have to build another graphic.
0: So it's it's like, like face-off? <laughs> yeah, kinda. Which one? Wait, 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 <laughs> wait. Well, you know that you know ni- neither one
1: of us gets the winning no. end of that deal, right? No,
0: you're right. That's okay. True. All right. Just so this is our first day. For those of you who are just listening, this is our first day um, back with Sci-Fi. from me, being back, really, yes. And it is also a day of hey, all the things we practice technology-wise. Now let's do them live, <laughs> and entertainment has ensued. Yeah, I suppose you could say that and or the or Chinese curse when you live in interesting times has ensued. I think that's probably a little <laughs> bit
1: more like it. The 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 one thing that I have noticed is that everyone's rusty. Oh yeah. Yeah, you because know, we've been you know, we've been dark for a year and we haven't done really done very much. We've started posting articles here mm-hmm. in the last
0: month and a half or so. And I'm the only one who's been basically doing any podcasting. Yeah, because you yeah, you Dustin and Dustin are and doing Apocalypse now. now and my kid and I are doing a Family Movie Nightmare, which is a little plug for my uh my podcasts there. Yeah. Of and course Apocalypse Now started here. Sure. And yeah. um, and could always come back. Could sometimes. always come back. <laughs> but right now it's under it's under my own production. Right, things, out. yeah, because I never thought we'd be back. I well, I know, yeah, I but know. Hey, you know, it's, it's you well, know. and I never thought yeah. I'd be doing two of them. Uh, I mean, it was one thing when we were doing uh, this show, it was on Now. Um, we were doing shows about the Marvel Universe, we were doing shows about the DC Universe. We were, we had like you and I were doing like four different podcasts at a time. We,
1: at one point, we were publishing 11 podcasts, yeah. and that was. Way too much. There have okay. been a couple of people that have made comments before when we were talking about coming back that um, maybe we had spread ourselves a little too thin. Possibly, yeah. And I think that's that's accurate. Of course, now with all of the shows that we've got rolling out in the next two months here on, on TV, yeah. we may be spreading
0: ourselves too thin. But I think we have a, a perspective now that we could be a little more willing to look at that and say, okay, which one of these are we having the most fun doing? Which ones of these are the ones that you enjoy the most? Do we need to trim back and feel a little more confident that we can do that?
1: Uh, Well, I think it's also going to help that we're doing a lot more collaborations this time around. mm -hmm. Uh, For example, Mm -hmm. we can plug our new show that's going to be recording next week is uh, our Doctor Who discussion program. Yeah, Sauce. Tardis Sauce. Tardis Sauce. That's a very, clear name. Yeah, a very clever name. I think I like that <laughs> I wonder who up for that. Uh, but that's going to be a collaboration between us and Traveling the Vortex, right. which is a podcast out at Topeka with Glenn Bartlett, Keith Miles, and Sean Collins. Mm-hmm. And coming up, you guys are going to have a special episode of that because not only are you able to discuss the entirety of Doctor Who, you know, the, the, the Hooniverse, mm-hmm. as it were, but we're also going to get a chance to interview Andrew Cartmel, yeah. who was Respect. responsible for. So like, he was the last eighty-seven
0: to eighty-nine, right? He was the last showrunner for the original run of the series, right. and he's also the man who is responsible for what has infam- infamously, maybe, mm-hmm. been come to be known as the Cartnell Master Plan, which. If you don't know anything about Andrew Cartmel, you—if you're a Doctor Who fan, you've probably heard that phrase, and it's really been something that heavily influenced Doctor Who while the show was off the air. Right. So the books, the audio um, stuff, and the Virgin line of books was heavily influenced by the Cartmel Master Plan, and some of it has actually made it into the new series, not necessarily in the same form as originally intended. Yeah. So we're kind of excited to talk to him about about what they actually had in mind because there's a certain amount of myth building that has come up about the Cardinal Master plan <laughs> and actually having a chance to talk to him about what it really what the intentions really were sure. where they're going because there was a lot of things happening in the last couple of years the the Sylvester McCoy years were very very interesting for what kind of stories were being told and how the doctor was being portrayed and a lot of the new series I think owes a lot to, and, and what we think of as the Doctor, um, whoever's played the role since the 2005 revival, a lot of it has been influenced by what they were trying to do with McCoy in the last season, last season, last season and a
1: half. Yeah, and, and Andrew has said that he hasn't seen any of Jody's season yet. Right. Uh, but it would be interesting to get that perspective from somebody who was in, involved with the show mm-hmm.
0: okay. uh, from way back when. To well, to I mean, you, when you consider that, I, I want to say it was, a, oh, I it might have been Verity Lambert, uh, who, of course, hugely influential to Dr. Who. Sure, first uh, producer. And one of the first women producers at the BBC. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there, was this, there were discussions back when, when Hartnell was clearly ill, and they were talking about regeneration, uh, regenerating the doctor and the whole thing that influenced the show from then on, uh, came up the discussion of having a woman play the part is not new. It was, right. it, it, And, of course, when it was done in the 60s, everyone was like, there's no way. <laughs> and but then again, they were saying the same thing about Verdi Lambert running the show, right? right? Oh, it's a girl. Yeah, but back then, you know, it wasn't that
1: critical of a show. It was just oh, no. you know, it was just some <laughs> kid's history and, show. And that's
0: one of the things that we're looking for. We'll have an episode where we, we just talk to Andrew. Uh, and and then we'll have our, our next regular episode Right, is going to be um, just about this last season. Just discussing it in broad strokes. And um, I have some interesting parallels between the first season of the original show and this season uh, in terms of how they were trying to approach like educational. Because there was a lot of influence with history this season. No. And I don't think a lot of fans... Especially the newer fans understand or even know that that's kind of, that was that was the show was meant to be an educational program
1: mm-hmm.
0: an educational children's program it was supposed to, there was all the historical episodes were supposed to be about real things that happened in history. I tell you kids these days they have no appreciation it, it's still strictly speaking considered <clears throat> by the BBC a children's show
1: It's funny because um, the Hollywood reporter just posted. Uh, the news that uh, the rapper and actress Aquafina that's her mm-hmm. stage name she was going to be joining the cast of Jumanji two, mm-hmm. and I thought, hold it, no, wait, wait so i had I had to of course post a correction for them. so you mean Jumanji three, <laughs> but you know, I guess nothing happened before 2000 or or you know how far back does history go for these people because Jumanji
0: yeah
1: and then Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle is the sequel to Jumanji that makes Welcome to the Jungle Jumanji 2 right that's true which this third one would be Jumanji 3 it's kind of like the numbering for Star Trek they keep talking about Star Trek 4 going into production to production eventually yeah, one yeah. of these it was like it's not Star Trek 4 it's Star Trek 14
0: <laughs> there are other films Name well, Star Trek. But even before JJ Abrams the did. new Star Trek films don't have numbering. They aren't I mean there's no there's
1: right. no real
0: sense to them that they they're even considering them. You know, I I tend to see I, in the folks who are writing about this in the proper way. They're saying the fourth of the new Star Trek films.
1: Right. And but there were a lot of people that were calling into darkness, you know, Star Trek 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, no. 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 <laughs> And you know, Star Trek Beyond. Before well, it's, it had a ti- it's, before it it's, has a title, they have the something... Kelvin,
0: it's the Kelvinverse 2. Because this is this is the Kelvinverse. This is an alternate universe. That's true, but it's not Star Trek 2. There there it's is Star, it's Star, a Star Trek. It's two. Star Trek, the Kelvinverse 2. <laughs> Strictly I mean, that that's your that's your real title. It's that's a little true. long and unwieldy, and we're like, Star Trek K two. <laughs> hey. Considering, considering um K two is a Pretty dangerous mountain to climb, and considering the challenges that anybody is going to have coming back to a beloved property, and we're seeing this a lot right now, um, yeah. um, between what the what Disney's doing with Star Wars, between what uh, Paramount is doing with uh, Star Trek, um, uh, what you're getting in CBS All Access, uh, what you're seeing with with uh, Chibnall trying to do something inter- different, and and it is different. It's, a different. it's a different take on on doing some classic Doctor Who things. Um, fans are, fans are slow to accept change and it's good and bad. I have issues, I, I have depend, some issues with, with modern fandom. I
1: think it would depend <laughs> on what kind of change you're talking about. Oh, if, sure. you're tar- if you're talking about fundamental changes to the entire franchise
0: mm-hmm. like The Last Jedi tried to do. There's some real arguments made for, for fans having a reaction to that. That, you that, know, oh yeah. that pushed yeah.
1: way too far. And, and to hear to hear all of the things that we are hearing in the rumor mill about Star, uh, Star Wars Nine being a reset mm-hmm. and J.J. Abrams having to fix, uh, the latest rumors are that uh, pretty much everything from The Last Jedi is getting jettisoned. So it's going to be real interesting to see what J.J. Abrams does with that movie. Well,
0: and, and when you consider, and we've talked about this before, if you want to go back to our catalog of episodes, you can find other times we've talked about this. Which is available at me.com That's right. Um, how we tell stories uh, in, in genre has changed so much in the mm-hmm. last 20 years. And that's not a long time, really, when you right. think about how... How culture and and entertainment changes. Um, Nobody was thinking big, long story arcs. Trilogies are a relatively recent invention. You're looking at the late '70s. Star Wars, Wars. Godfather. Yeah. uh, You know, the fact that there was a sequel to Jaws was a big deal. The fact that there was a Halloween two. I mean, these are things in the eighties. Superman two. Superman two. These are these were not things you got. Uh, you you super rarely got like a, a sequel to a western. Well, you know? Back to the Future was only supposed to be a one off, right? And it was you know so popular. And so you end up with these these weird these weird things where you're trying to tell stories with different production crews over long periods of time, and it's one thing when you're doing it as a television show mm-hmm. where you basically have a writers room and you sit there and do it, and you're basically filming stuff back to back to back to back to back. Right. Whereas with the feature film, you might have a year in between production times, depending on how it's getting funded and what what other assets have to be somewhere else. There's a lot of things that can change it. So, the idea that we're actually having, you know, three new Star Wars films. Period. After after the last, you know, how many? Twenty five years? Thirty. Thirty years? Yeah, <laughs> oh, God, it's, uh, it, it, it's, it's stunning in itself. Well, and you talk about
1: things being episodic, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Mm-hmm. I've, I have said for a number of years now that if you look at those films as if they're a TV series mm-hmm. where Kevin Feige is the showrunner, then it makes absolute sense how how they're approaching all of that right. making it all connected because each movie is an episode of the TV show, Marvel right. Cinematic Universe. And I think... There are not too many people in Hollywood who can make that leap in how they're approaching things, and they're still trying to find somebody in the DC universe who could do it. Jeff Johnson, John Burke are out. Mm-hmm. Zack Snyder's out. They didn't ask uh, Joss Whedon to do it, so they're still looking for that one. They're looking for their Kevin Feige, right. and I don't know. I, that I, I honestly,
0: any candidates that could do it. I kind of don't think DC should do that. I think that DC, Aping, uh, for all the mistakes that DC has made with their films, and they have made quite a few, uh, the idea, and I think that, that Wonder Woman and Aquaman, which are very, very different films, mm-hmm. uh, from very, very different production crews, from very different kinds of tone and visual aesthetic, and, and all these things, there's so many differences, but that they do have two things in common. First, they serve as really solid origin stories for those characters. right? And where you go next is the interesting part. And two, they both broke new ground uh, in ways that were not supposed to work. Because, of course, you were not supposed to have a female-led superhero film because Supergirl ruined the world for all the studios. No, 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 it was Catwoman. It was
1: Supergirl and Catwoman. Yeah. Okay, Catwoman, yeah Halle Bear is Catwoman.
0: So I mean there was there were so many stories about how the Wonder Woman was just going to be, oh God, it just can't be no the audiences will not embrace this.
1: Well, now now to be fair though, some of the early buzz, some of the early chatter was that people were worried about that film because nobody had seen any footage at that point. Sure. Um, it had been shot. And, you know, executives at Warner Brothers had seen pieces, mm-hmm. bits and pieces. And the words that we were getting out of the rumor mill there, you know, insiders are telling us, sources are telling us, mm-hmm. that Wonder Woman's a mess. And at that point, it could very well likely have been a mess uh, until the, they yes.
0: s- straightened it out. So but it, prior you know, to that, prior to the actual first words coming out, there was so much, you can't have a female-led superhero. Right. You just can't. They don't work. People don't see them. They're not good movies. Which is one of the reasons why we still haven't gotten a Black Widow film. Right. And the fact that we're getting a Captain Marvel film, it looks great. I'm dying to see the film. I hope it's it's really good. Yeah. Because it's got a fantastic cast. It looks, I mean, visually, it looks cool. I'm, I'm, I'm still waiting excited. to
1: see if Brie Larson has more than one facial expression. But other than that, the trailer looked pretty good. But
0: you can't trust trailers because always remember here. Here's if you don't know this, folks, and I'm sure most of you who listen to us probably do, because it's not news. Trailers are not made by the studio. There are companies what? that make that's their that's their job. They make trailers, and that's one reason, not the only one, but one reason why you can go see a trailer and go that scene looks amazing and it's nowhere near the movie. Right. Because, or not even in the movie. I mean, it's it's a piece of footage that was provided by the studio well before they got to the editing room, yeah. um, or any kind of real editing on the on the whole picture was done. So I mean, I'm but but so you have you had Wonder Woman basically breaking the ground that say you know a female director, female lead, female superhero, all really you know people were really worried and it worked. And then you had and this is a little inside baseball, I guess um but aquaman is a film set on and under the ocean which are two films two two types of filmmaking which have never worked right they are i mean aside you know pirates of the caribbean is how much that is cg i mean all of it right and and to with with no without any question a significant chunk of aquaman is cg all of it <laughs> but but um 60% of the film, I think, is set underwater. Mm. And then a good chunk of it is set on the water. And films underwater and um, in boats anywhere near the surface of the water have a terrible track record. Right. They are disasters. They are, they, the films, are, I mean, they're hell to make and they are just disasters in the. In, uh, Cutthroat Island or Cutthroat?
1: Oh yeah, cutthroat with Cut Gina Davis. Yeah,
0: that was that, a fun movie. That murdered, uh, almost derailed her career entirely. Yeah, uh, it was still a fun movie. Oh uh, yeah, it, it was not. It, it was nowhere near as bad as as. But it also wasn't the time for it. I mean, if you if that film had come out um, six months or a year after uh, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, a female led pirate movie. It could have been. It could have been a much bigger. I don't know. It might, it, you know who, who knows? But it would have had a, be- a better response.
1: No, um, I need. I need to stop us here yeah, yeah. because I forgot to do something earlier in the show. Oh, we have a sponsor. We do. Yes, uh, we we actually uh, got uh superhero stuff.com back in the fall. Hey, we know them. We know them. They're and old friends of ours. This time, there's a discount code. This time it's personal. This time it's personal. So ba- basically the way we've got this set up now is when you go to stuffcom mm-hmm. and you make your order and you buy all your stuff right. and you go to checkout, if you use the code sci fi for me mm-hmm. 10 you'll get 10% off the entire order. Cool. So uh, those of you who are watching <laughs> on TV, I've got a little handy-dandy QR code that you can mm-hmm. frame grab and scan and go right to it. Or you can... Do it the old-fashioned piddly way and type the URL address you into your browser. Use Yes, oh, you
0: well,
1: know, you like uh, like the old old people do. <clears throat> back in my day, we yeah, yeah. typed it in on a keyboard and the <laughs> keyboard was connected to the tower and we liked it. My keyboard is connected to
0: my computer.
1: My keyboard is connected as well. Yes. Um, so. Speaking of Marvel,
0: yeah, let's get to our
1: topic: mm-hmm. the legacy of Stan Lee. His birthday, his ninety-sixth birthday, would have been was it last week? He would have been ninety-six years old, December twenty-eighth. December twenty-eighth, he would have
0: been ninety-six. And he died in November twelfth.
1: Have we heard exactly how? What? What was it? Was it heart failure? Because I haven't heard anything else, uh, past the announcement that he had passed.
0: Um, asp- aspiration pneumonia. Oh, uh, uh, cause of death was uh, cardiac arrest, with respiratory failure, congestive heart failure. one of the main causes. Okay. Oh. So he had a, um, you know, he lived long enough to die of old age.
1: Which? Well, and and after after Joan had passed, a lot of people had figured that it wouldn't be very long. Oh before. yeah. Because the two were just
0: inseparable. And, and she, totally died, she died in 2017, it. so it
1: was not yeah, long. right? So we figured we would take a, a, a little bit here to talk about his influence over not only the comics industry, but the pop culture industry. You know, the, the pop culture, I guess pop culture mm-hmm. does have an industry to, to itself. Uh, but did you see what DC Comics did in all of their oh, books yeah. this week?
0: Yeah,
1: That was classic. That was I mean, you don't you don't you don't really get very much opportunity to say nice things about dan Dio Jim Lee sometimes, mm-hmm. but this was a this was a sharp move to put in the back of the book for everybody uh for every issue you know everything that came out this week uh, a dedication to Stanley yeah. Lee from the distinguished competition, which was his nickname for them right and uh that was that was
0: that was good to see. well i don't I don't think you can. Discount the influence the man had on what we think of as comic books and comic book media, Mm -hmm. or comic book influenced media. For good and for ill, he did not make it through life without controversy. Um, A lot of Jack Kirby fans have had some very distinct thoughts on on how Lee has presented the history of the Marvel uh, universe. as being a lot more influenced by him than by, say, a lot of people looking at what Kirby did as being accurate. So, but at the same time, he was also an incredible booster for comic books in general. Right. And he also, um, he treated DC as the Distinguished Competition long after he was actually involved with in day-to-day operations of Marvel Anything.
1: Well, and he also did a stint at DC mm-hmm. with the whole, what if, what if Stan Lee had created right. the DC universe? And I think there were like 12 or 13 editions
0: yeah, and, where and he basically and I,
1: retold all of the origin stories for Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman and Green With Man whole, and whole new versions
0: of the characters right. that were, certainly, mm-hmm. I, I, how, much, how much that was Stan Lee really being involved with the process is a good question. Mm-hmm. Stan Lee's Lucky Man, for example, is a British TV show. Which there were several Stanley Presents kind of TV shows, and it's like, well, did Sam just have the idea that they ran with it? Because, you yeah, know. Sure. But certainly his it's name. Like Alfred Hitchcock and the Three Investigators. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, but certainly, you know, his name attached to that um, certainly made people turn, tune in, especially in the States who would not necessarily have seen a actually fairly witty and kind of dark and twisted British TV show, which I actually wow. highly recommend. Stripperella is not something you
1: would normally. think
0: of. That's true.
1: You know, it just it just hit me that there are probably people out there now that are that are looking up Alfred Hitchcock and the Three Investigators because they've never heard of it. I'm Which like, would be what? awesome. Yeah, it's good. It's a good series of books. I highly That's recommend. It's, it. it's good.
0: It's good for uh, like forty six or forty seven books in the series. Yeah, and if you're if you're a teenager or a 12, 13? Yeah, I would say so. they They're they're actually kind of a fun introduction to mystery stories that i are not through, too.
1: Weird. I went through most of them the summer of fifth grade when mm-hmm. I was ten. Yeah, uh, spent a lot of nights staying up very 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 late because I'd finish one and I'd go to the next one, um, and I still I, I still have the
0: entire series with me now. So. And if you're someone like me who actually prefers the original, crank them out on a you know, on a Mill, uh, Hardy Boys and, mm-hmm. and Nancy, Drew. Nancy Drews. Uh, and, and for some reason never even though I appreciate the fact that they've up and they they update the characters for modern times, which I think you, you can do with Hardy Boys and Nancy Drew if you do it right. Yeah. I was never all that thrilled about the newer novels. They didn't capture that same kind of and there's and and, and there's some real there's some real clunkiness and and some, some current Era inappropriateness to the original novels, but there was something about the way they were written that I think played better to me. I don't yeah. know. The problem with the modern era stuff is that, that Joe Hardy doesn't look like Sean Cassidy, <coughs> right? How many seasons did, uh, <laughs> did uh, Parker Stevenson and Sean Cassidy actually do? I want to was two, maybe two. Yeah. Cause,
1: well, because then they added uh, Pamela Sue Martin right. as Nancy Drew, and, and I don't know if that
0: was the second season. I have I super fond the memories of that show. And yeah. I, I can tell you right now, having gone back to look at it, it's not good. <laughs> but I have super fond memories. Because I was the right age to...
1: The theme was fun. Oh, the yeah. theme music was fun. I still have it That still hurts in my head sometimes. There was, was
0: supposed to be a uh, uh, Nancy Drew reboot yeah. coming up that sort of crashed and burned on... On pretty much all accounts from what I'm hearing
1: right they changed just about everything except her name so yeah and I that think that would do it you know but anyway yeah. Stan Lee I don't well, see, see but
0: we digress the digressions are back <laughs> you didn't think you'd get away as, from it as Did are you? the
1: coffee uh, the coffee mugs we have brand new right. coffee wasn't mugs hard. I don't know if you can see those or not we have uh, we have a new logo new branding They're very spiffy You've, if you're looking on TV, you can see them. It's, it's, it's a yeah. lot of fun. We, we have so many things planned for the new era, I guess. You know? Ten years to overnight success or Dangerous, something. Right, I control it. Danger, <laughs> Will
0: Robinson. Um, which was an entertaining reboot. I'm I, impressed with it. It's, it's, it's not perfect, but I, I've been impressed with what they're trying to do. I got four or five
1: episodes into the first season. And did go back to it for, uh, we got, I got busy and yeah, things just happened and just haven't done it. I've been meaning to.
0: I, I, I was, I think it's not a slavish reboot, mm. but it also keeps enough of what made the show, the original show work. Yeah. That I think that that's not a bad example for how to do a proper reboot, which does take us back to Stanley because what the Marvel universe has been doing cinematically, um, has rebooted a lot of the things that Stan Lee had a hand in uh, originally. Right. So you may recall there was an Incredible Hulk television show. I seem to have heard that at some yes, point. There was also a, a Spider-Man television show. Live-action Spider-Man television.
1: Was it? A, show. Was it television? Yeah, it was a television show. Captain America was two TV
0: movies. Right, which were both.
1: They were fine for what they were at the time.
0: There, there were actors and there was a crew, and movies were made.
1: I thought it was interesting how they, how they updated it for modern times, and basically said, you know, Steve Rogers was the son of a World War II soldier who was known as Captain
0: America. Oddly, DC's they journey. tried to, they tried to do something that DC tried to do with their films, which a, root it in the real world, yeah. brought, uh, and at a time when that's not what answers.
1: Well, I mean, The Incredible Hulk did really well with that because I think, yeah. you're, it was mainly...
0: It was the fugitive with the green man.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it focused on Banner more than it did the Hulk, which well, I it, thought was a smart move at the time. Not not only for budget considerations because mm-hmm. of the makeup and the special effects and whatnot, but also the fact that it made it more of a personal story mm-hmm. that you're, you're having to get emotionally invested in
0: this character, Banner. Who's got this monster? He has to fight. Well, it kind of, it kind of, in many ways, did go back to what the original treatment of the Hulk by Stanley and, and Jack Kirby was, which is he came out at night. It was basically Jekyll and Hyde, mm-hmm. and he, you know, it, when when the sun went down, the Hulk emerged. Yeah, and of course, over time, that's changed to I have to get blasted with gamma rays to change back. Um, to Don't make, it, me Don't make me angry, and then of course that classic line. Uh, although currently in in the current run, um, uh, which is very horror influenced, very horror influenced. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, Jack McGee has died, and his daughter is a reporter who's been hunting down the Hulk, and it's actually. Uh, which is interesting, you know, in terms of in terms of when the timeline hits. Right. Is kind of the T V show era timeline. That the, the the current McGee would be in their twenties or twenties or early thirties. And uh, so it's was just like, Oh, that's kinda cool.
1: Fine. You know, it's gonna be interesting to see what they do if they do anything with Jack McGee in the movies. Because he was a college student during the,
0: mm-hmm. uh, was it the the Norton film? Yeah. Well, I think that if you if you give the Hulk another standalone picture, which there isn't any real indication they're planning on doing. No. Other than that, it would just be almost a cameo. Yeah, I don't. I think you couldn't. You couldn't do the kind of fun thing where you know you really would want to uh, to really pay, pay homage to the television character. Right. You All
1: right. So while uh, while I am sitting here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I am needing to call up our YouTube channel mm-hmm. and look at uh, what's going on here because apparently somebody's asked a question in the chat widget what? because there's a chat widget. Excellent. what's
0: the what's
1: the question? Uh, oh, how do you buy a mug? Asking for a friend. Oh, there say. you go. Uh, and I did not put anybody up to this. Just 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 to say, um, we have not got our merch. Set up yet? Uh, we're talking about it, mm-hmm. but um, the the mugs. I think we'll probably make a mug available. Oh, that would be, um, be great! And we have some They're other very things. cool. They are. Oh, thank you. There you go. I was I was quite pleased at how they turned out. Um, and funnily enough, see, I I I ordered these, mm-hmm. and there was a discount code mm-hmm. that let me take twenty percent off of the order. Oh yeah, and I put in the order. Mm-hmm. And the next day, there was a 60% off site-wide <laughs> discount code. But of course. And I thought, well, that's just the way that goes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it was a Tuesday when I found that yeah, out. Of course. Because, you know. You do have having an issue with Tuesday. Tuesdays. Well, Tuesday has an issue for me. You know, it waits for you in a dark alley. It does. It he does. was bitten by a Tuesday at the top. Uh, I was born on a Monday. Which explains that. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> I might have been born <laughs> on a Tuesday. Now that I think about there it. There we go. I have to go back and look at the look at the year. Um, so yeah, so there we are. Oh, and look, our YouTube channel is decent signal. Hey, I see a picture? Nice. And everything looks okay. I guess.
0: Cool. <sighs> Stanley. Stanley. So he uh, uh, he got to start with Timely Comics in '39. And, of course, for those of you who are not familiar with what Timely Comics is, uh, it was the original home for uh, a lot of superheroes that you think of when you think of as Marvel. Mm-hmm. Uh, Captain America came out of Timely. Uh, Submariner. Mm-hmm.
1: Human Torch. The original Human Torch, not, not
0: Johnny Storm. Right. The Destroyer, which is a character who has popped up in Marvel Comics in various forms. I think he actually had a... Well, I, I think they've had him in... in it, done some Invaders, the 1940s, superhero Nazi fighting okay. heroes. Uh, I think he showed up in a couple of the, the returns of that series. Okay. Um, and let's see. Uh, because he
1: started, uh, he started when he was a teenager. Mm-hmm, His yeah. cousin-in-law owned the company and gave him a job. And yeah. he ended up writing some filler stories Mm-hmm. Uh, for back, back pages in, in some of these books until at at one point he ended up being the editor. Yeah. And then he went off to war, mm-hmm. served, his, served his time in uniform. Right. And. 42 to 45. Came back in war. And then he came back and he was back at, at Timely. And it's funny to hear the story of his journey at that time because he, he had aspirations to be the next great American novelist, Mm -hmm. and that never happened. He kind of got sidetracked a little bit by Cosmic Rays and funny books, Mm -hmm. but I have to wonder if he had been the great American novelist, he probably wouldn't have had as much Influence on pop culture as
0: he's had oh, yeah, with yeah, his work in Marvel. I don't think so um, the the thing about comic books, and I think what he managed to do with things like Fantastic Four and the X Men, although the original run of the X Men could widely be considered as a bit of a failure, it wasn't until the reboot. Um, well, Chris Claremont was Chris the one who really made that. Yeah. Um, but you look at those those early the Avengers, um, that sort of thing. There was a uh, an ability whether whether he had the influence in creating it that some people give to him, or it was more Kirby or or the other collaborators uh, Steve Ditko, yeah, or Spider Man and Doctor Strange. Um, was Ditko the first artist on Iron Man? I can't remember. I'm not sure.
1: I want to say it was Kirby, mm-hmm. but I yeah. could be wrong. I my my Marvel history is not quite
0: as straight in my head as I would like it to be. Yes, I mean Stan Lee's major co- uh, collaborators in those early days were Steve Ditko and, and Jack Kirby, and, Dick- and, and Carole, his brother and his brother. Um, and they had they had a significant impact on what stories were being told. Because in one of the one of the ways that they would do it is the artist would draw, they'd, you know, they'd get a, here's here's what has to happen in the story, and the artist would draw the story with, with empty word balloons. Mm-hmm. And then Lee would come in and he would write in what the, what the dialogue was gonna be, uh, whether he knew that before he got the pages back or not, um, which is one way to do it. I think a lot of modern creators would probably, a lot of modern uh, comic book writers would sit there and go, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> well,
1: and that became what's known as the Marvel method Mm -hmm. would be the artist would come up with all of the stuff and then the writer goes back in later
0: um which is what some of what led to a lot of people saying that lee did not necessarily deserve the credit for creating these characters in the way that he he tended to have the credit uh because of who was doing a significant chunk of the initial work right um but he was also uh, really really good at marketing the product and being the cheerleader for the entire industry of and you, sorts with Marvel. And yeah, when you consider how much it could have been a disaster and completely, I mean, because the number of canceled comic titles versus the number of comic titles that have survived and become, uh, well, inspired movies, yeah, good movies, uh, is you know the the, the canceled ones far outweigh the successful ones. Right.
1: I have a note from the official program observer. Yeah. You sound like you're in a cave. So we're, we're, a we're gonna make an adjustment here on the microphone. I am the in the cave. cave. We're get, uh, yes. We're in the well. We're not in the cave anymore. <laughs> we're, we're
0: upstairs, out of the cave. We're uh, we're moving up in the world. This setup is not probably going to be the ultimate setup no, for us. No, uh, not at all. It's a little <laughs> it's a little weird. No, <laughs> but
1: since since I'm on a wireless microphone, mm-hmm. I could actually walk into the break room, continue our conversation, and I can go get me another cup of coffee. But that would be rude to our TV audience. That
0: would be rude.
1: So I'm not going to do it's that.
0: Money.
1: By the way, if any of you are associated with a coffee company...
0: <laughs> we like to put them in the mugs.
1: Yes, we still... Coffees. I think we have... I had, a, I had a, a, an interesting conversation on Thursday... With mm-hmm. someone who mentioned I, that our, our new show in the morning, Good Morning Multiverse, mm-hmm. it's on Saturday morning at ten o'clock, mm-hmm. is a good place where we could get an advertiser like maybe orange juice or coffee. When she mentioned coffee, I said, "You know, I've been chasing for a coffee sponsor for years. So, if any of you are associated in any way, shape, or form with a coffee company and you would like to get a niche audience, let's talk." And see and that was the other thing that Stan Lee did. You talk about being the cheerleader and being the champion. He's he was constantly on. He was constantly oh. ever the showman, ever the but he was sincere about it. It wasn't it wasn't something that that he was putting on a persona or anything. He was genuine in his enthusiasm for this thing called comic books right. and superheroes. And he even he even said at one point in an essay he's he thought that it should be spelled "comic books" as all one word, mm-hmm. because if you look at books, mm-hmm. you look at right. comic book, comic books. It's it's a completely new category because they're not funny,
0: not, not, always, necessarily. not necessarily
1: right, not necessarily funny. So if you make it all one word, comic book, like all one word superhero, mm-hmm. it redefines it a new category, and that was his right. thinking. Whenever he said it's got to be all spelled one one word. But he was that enthusiastic about everything that he did related to comics. Right. I don't think I've ever seen anything with him not being upbeat. I mean, there were a couple of a couple of video blogs that he did where he didn't really have very much energy. Sure. But in terms of tone and what he was talking about and his excitement about whatever it was he was talking about, he was always upbeat.
0: Well, he was—he always was aware that fans made the industry. Yeah, I mean, the success, his success, uh, the su- success of the comic book industry is entirely reliant on readers and people who want to read the product. If people stopped reading comic books, they would go away.
1: And that's something that a lot of the people that are in comic books now need to be reminded of. <clears throat>
0: Well, that's, but, that's a
1: conversation for another episode.
0: But at the same time, um, the comic book, the the, the feel of what's out there for comic books now, and we saw this in the 90, in the eighties in the eighties especially, mm-hmm. and then in the nineties, and now again, creator owned comics, are a thing that didn't exist when Stanley was was. I mean, he he kind of stopped doing really writing comic books in the seventies, late seventies, and then he was looking at media, mm-hmm. He was going out to you know L.A. to look at at selling TV rights. To, oh, um, Spider-Man and the Incredible Hulk, uh, but and it's funny
1: too because the creation of She-Hulk came out of Universal owning the rights to the Incredible right. Hulk. because he's he sat there and said, "We better come up with a female Hulk first, mm-hmm. because if Universal does it, they'll own it. We won't." It right. was always he was he was always thinking ahead, and I think he was thinking ahead in some of the some of the characters that he created. Just, too Black, with, with uh, Falcon mm-hmm. with Black Panther, uh, you know, how much of a mix of characters are there in the X Men? Mm-hmm. You know, being mutants, they're born that way because you know how many times can you do cosmic rays? Yeah,
0: right. Or radioactive spiders? Yeah, um, and of course, in a time when radiation was considered to be a beneficial, uh, you know, to be exposed, bitten by a radioactive spider as opposed to remember relics when uh, uh, Marvel. I think it was relics, Marvel relics, where they basically were like, okay, what if this really happened in the real world? Peter Parker gets bitten by a radioactive spider and dies.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) Bruce Banner gets exposed to uh, uh, giant amounts of gamma radiation and dies. Mutates and dies. You know. Do not stare directly at the the storytelling. Silliness that that uh, lies at the core of a lot of comic books.
1: Well, I mean, how many how many people can actually breathe underwater
0: without an apparatus? Well, oh. you know, Submariner. Patrick Duffy. Patrick Duffy, <laughs> <laughs> and that was like way. Where is away. that reboot? Man from Atlantis. Um, you know, where is that reboot? I don't think anyone was clamoring for one. One season, and That's no, and and, a, and not a whole lot of sense of where it Do go. you
1: remember? Um, the Invisible Man with David
0: McCollum. Mm-hmm. You know, when you think about it... We're digging
1: no, deep here now. The number talks. of times
0: there were like three different Invisible Man TV movies or 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 TV shows. And then the, the, I think the most successful one was the one that they ran on Sci-Fi, Which ran for like three years? Oh, yeah. It was the longest running one. Maybe three years? Who was in that one? I don't even oh, remember. Uh, I don't remember. Faces that I can recognize, mostly character actors. Yeah, which is you know the hardest for you people in showbiz anyway. Back when the Sci Fi Channel was the Sci Fi Channel. <laughs> well, before they went off the rails, and they actually put it so and now, and now they're now they're back on the rails, kind of scarily. It's weird. We're
1: going to have to do a do a discussion about that at some point oh, because yeah. the 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 path that Sci Fi has taken over the last ten years, while we've been doing our thing mm-hmm. and they've been doing their thing. It's very, very,
0: very strange to see that trajectory oh, yeah. of what they're doing. I mean, I'm, I'm glad to see them actually getting back on. Have, having what three years now, three or four years now It's actually a good like program. Yeah, the fact good uh, produced except, by except Sci-Fi. they're still
1: except they're still canceling shows too early. Oh
0: yeah, well, some you know, of them. I have to say that uh, uh, one of the finest shows, so finest science fiction shows on TV right now, is The Expanse, and the fact that they canceled. What is wrong? Oh, don't tell me you're doing this again. I know. It's I know. Gosh. A lot of people were started saying, hold on, yeah. wait a minute. And some shows, some shows have run their course. I mean, you can just, the, the story's really told. Cool.
1: I may I may but, reach out to Bill McGoldrick and see if he might be willing to come on Good Morning Multiverse at some point yeah. and talk about, you know, yeah. some of that in mm-hmm. the history of the network. Because we really saw the network kind of do a course correction after he got there, after mm-hmm. he was put in charge. So. Yeah. Um, no, know a lot of people were really happy that Dave Stern was
0: gone. Well, you know, it's, it's a very... the influence the influence of one person on a studio or on a production company or whatever mm-hmm. that can really put things off track uh, or um, people looking at uh, well, yeah, okay, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man films right. kind of set the tone Tim Burton's Batman films set a tone. Um, you know the the films that were coming out, especially in the Marvel. Yeah, Once upon a time, not you know, a couple decades ago, twenty five years or so, um, superhero films. DC was a successful one. They were yeah. the ones who were breaking new ground and doing new things, and and Marvel's cinematic universe was, you know, bad. I mean. I, I have a great fondness for the badness of Dolph Lundgren's Punisher movie, <laughs> but it's not a good movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, and that was unfortunately was something that we were seeing because after Lee had gone, because um, basically by the 80s he was, or the 90s he was basically, essentially retired from Marvel. Right. He was a, what was it,
1: president emeritus? Yeah, he, he, he was still emeritus. getting a salary, but
0: he wasn't creating any new comics. You know, that in it was the nineties when Marvel basically sold off all their, off their film and TV rights, and yeah, because they were about to go under, they were they were bankrupt. See, people tend to forget that as successful, or just don't know because of course it's it's kind of inside baseball for the the huge the huge number of fans who watch the movies don't know not necessarily know about the comics right. so much, which is why you can get the, all the news stories saying Iron Man was a second. It's, Iron Man's a huge character in the Marvel universe, but. Um, yeah, comics were basically in serious danger of the industry collapsing in the '90s. Yeah, um, and it was a dark time, full of shoulder pads and pouches <laughs> and, and small feet. Oh God, Jim Lee. <laughs> no, not Jim Lee. Uh, Rob uh, Liefeld. Rob Liefeld. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> the man can't draw feet, so he never did. Did
1: you, Did you see he tw- he posted? I don't know if it was on Instagram or or Twitter. Um, felt of course. Created Deadpool, mm-hmm. right. which is played by Ryan Reynolds, uh-huh. who also played Green Lantern. Uh-huh. LeFevre had said that he would love to see Ryan Reynolds come back to play Green Lantern again. Mm-hmm. And apparently, there
0: was—is there a
1: gag? I think at the end of Deadpool two, or there's a Green Lantern gag. Well, you know, Deadpool two, is,
0: Deadpool two has got a whole you know theater run again. Right. So do we want to give out a once, spoiler?
1: Once upon a Deadpool.
0: Yeah. Okay. Everybody saw Deadpool. was going to see Deadpool. Right, we can give this. It's it's. How long is it? Yeah, we can give this spoiler. Right, yeah. Um, Deadpool kills Ryan Reynolds, reading the Green Lantern script <laughs> to save us all. They cut the bit where 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 Deadpool kills Baby Hitler for good reasons. That was a, which, you know, um, but yeah, no. It, uh, Ryan Reynolds is reading the script, going, "Oh, look at this!" And then there's a bang and blood. Mm-hmm. Deadpool's behind him with a gun. It's like, uh huh. So yeah. So I don't think that uh, uh, Ryan Reynolds is probably going to want to do that.
1: Uh, you know, I. You you make the assumption that he doesn't want to do it, but Maybe he was do it right. he was very enthusiastic about playing the part when oh, he was first sure. cast, and you can tell. In the early interviews, you can tell he's a big comic book guy. You can oh, tell yeah. that it, you know, he has a love for these characters. Well, and
0: Deadpool was a labor of love for him. The fact that Deadpool even got made oh, yeah. is in large part because Ryan, Ryan Reynolds up there and went, we have to do this. Yeah. We have to find a way. And so, no, I mean, I think he could play the part. I would rather see a Jon Stewart. Because Hal is, I think Hal is hard to get right. I think I would want to, I would wanna, almost want oh, exactly. to do that. No, I, I, he's been hard to get right so far. That's because nobody understands the character. I would like to see a Hal Jordan TV series.
1: Hal Jordan, to distill it down into one thing, mm-hmm. Hal Jordan is a cop. Yeah. He's a by the book. He's he's He is a Joe Friday type. Not quite that intense. I was going to say not quite that intense, mm-hmm. but that's you know there's structure and there's order and there's rules and there's th- there's a way to do things mm-hmm. because you saw that in Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams run. Oh sure, Green Lantern, Green Arrow. Because but that was arrows, also a little exaggerated. Been, well, yeah, I mean, but you're still the core of the Green Lantern mm-hmm. character. The core of the Hal Jordan character is sure. you have to you have to have. A structure and a plan. Well, and, and, if, and, you, and if you
0: treat plan. if you treat the guardians of the, uh, the guardians of the universe and the Green Lantern Corps as a police force, mm-hmm. which, considering how much Green Lantern was heavily influenced by the Lensman series, yeah, uh, there's a series that not enough people are reading. Um, could make an interesting set of movies, or or some articles introducing yeah, introducing the Lensman, yeah. the possibility. Yeah, um, you know, there's. Uh, yeah, I think I think that's the kind of thing where you almost develop it as a space procedural, as like a ten-issue, ten ten-issue, ten-episode uh, ten ten series. Sure. Whereas I think in terms of uh, grabbing an audience, introducing them to a a character in the DC universe on film, John Stewart has there's there's more grays in Stewart stories, where you could have more fun diving into some of the the more, and you can Jordan can show up, and he, he probably should.
1: Oh, absolutely! But I think
0: that, uh, and of course, you bring in a lot of folks who remember the Justice League cartoon, the really yeah. good Justice League cartoons. That well, and then you also bring in Guy Gardner and Kyle Rayner. Oh yeah, and
1: you know, you can maybe even do a JLI every now and again, where you know you have a little bit of tongue planted in cheek, which would be awesome. <clears throat> One punch. <laughs>
0: can you see? It? I, I
1: want to see that on film. We've got to see that on film. At some well,
0: point, but you know, um, for getting back, getting back to how what people intend to do with their films, um, in in this time of storytelling, when when things are not necessarily getting with the intent was, you know, there's that whole big discussion that people who were in production of Batman versus Superman, all saw the whole Martha sequence a very different way than audiences did. Mm-mm. And they would all sort of looked at it and went, well, this is what it's going to be. And the audiences didn't see that at all. Right. And they were like, how can they not, oh, wow, they didn't see what we intended at all. And you look at, you know, what, it, I kind of get the feeling that happened with The Last Jedi. You know, what they intended versus how it came across. Oh, could you be, and I are going to disagree. On I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm throwing that out there as a, a, you know, what the, what the filmmakers intend and what the audience and. Reads it as are not necessarily the same thing.
1: Well, I'll 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 argue with you there because Ryan Johnson deliberately specifically said that he had set out to make a movie that some fans would hate.
0: Well, but you know what the the the, the young man who is playing or words to that effect the actor who is playing Spock in uh, mm-hmm. Discovery Discovery has I mean like half every interview I've read. He's pretty much come out and said it's going to be controversial. I'm just prepared. I'm, I've been getting my head around the fact that no matter what I do, you know, some people are going to hate, hate the way I played the part. Right. There's just nothing I can do about that. Because I'm not Nimoy. All I can do is do the best job I can playing the part and and try and bring Nimoy's performance in. And for the, the right record, places.
1: for the record, Nimoy's family has signed off on his oh, playing yeah. the part. So and they're looked,
0: fine with he it. He looks enough. And, and okay, um, uh, Ensign Mount doesn't look like Jeffrey, uh, Hunter. Jeffrey Hunter. He looks enough know. like him to evoke the idea. This young man looks enough like a younger Moore to evoke the idea. I'm okay, okay with the casting.
1: But I tell you, Rebecca Romaine is number one. I, she looks more
0: like Major Barrett is number one than Anson Mount looks like Jeffrey Hunter. You know what, the, the, considering the looking at these three actors and considering the talent that's coming with this, at least two of them, and, and certainly, ho- hopefully, the, the young man playing, I can't remember his name, I'm sorry. Uh, playing Spock, I kind of want to see the Pike. The, the Pike era. The Enterprise. Enterprise. Just can okay, Use use the same stuff you're doing right now. That's fine. You've got the sets. Right. Just give me that because that looks good. It could be fun because I want I you know the comics have have used Pike in number one, uh, in some cases quite well, and we just never got the never got the original tent for the show, which is.
1: Well there are you know, some novels that, first that do the same kind of thing too. They they are set in, in mm-hmm. Pike's era as well. Yeah. And now and now for those of you who are wondering why <laughs> where we're all, all stuff, you have to remember too that in genre especially
0: mm-hmm.
1: everything influences everything else. Okay. But but going back to Batman vs. Superman for a second, you know what would have fixed that movie.
0: I had several theories about what could that movie needed.
1: A Stan Lee cameo. He even made that point. He said, you know what would have fixed that movie would be a Stan Lee cameo. And for all of the you know, back and forth, positive, negative about Stan Lee, his cameos were the thing that everybody anticipated. He's got a cameo in, in pretty much everything. He did a cameo in Phineas and Ferb, mm-hmm. and they did their, their Marvel thing. Yeah. Um, he's done cameos and all the Marvel animated things and all the movies. And, and. 36. When that started. 36 cameos. It wasn't a thing. No. But then it became the thing. And, and now it's what everybody looks for. Mm-hmm. And the first movie that doesn't have it is going to feel really, really strange. Um, it's gonna, is it going to be Infinity War? Or Captain, it's gonna be Captain Marvel. He's got one in Captain Marvel. Oh, that's right, because yeah, he yeah, shot yeah, that yeah. one, and I think he shot one for for Endgame, mm. I think. But after that, and I don't know if he he may have one he may have one in the Spider Man in Far From Home, maybe I'm not sure. I have to look that up. But the what whichever movie that doesn't have it mm-hmm. is gonna feel weird. It it'll, it it's almost as if you watch the entire movie and there's no end credit scene. Right, know, yeah, because Marvel has conditioned us to to expect that tag at the end, mm-hmm. and oh, we would see Aquaman, and we're waiting in the waiting yeah, like, the- <laughs> well, are they gonna have one? Well, because Green Lantern had one, right? But um, we don't talk about Green Lantern, even though I said after I, after we finished watching Aquaman, I said I felt like I watched Green Lantern again. Remember? Yeah, yeah. So, I but it. You- but Stanley and. To a certain extent, Marvel, but I think also Stan, Stan himself really influenced almost, you know, we're probably talking two or three generations of people who got into comics because of a particular character. But also, you have so many stories about people who met Stanley when they were fans, mm-hmm. and they were looking at stuff, and and, and that positive... Interaction with with Stan the man at a convention or an event of some sort is what put them on that trajectory to, to really decide. Well, maybe I can do something in comics and, and get in there. Um, uh, Todd McFarlane, mm-hmm. uh, who who uh, is doing the Spawn comics, and it was part of the Image uh, Image Comics creation. Right. You know, he talks about when he was I think sixteen, he met Stan. And that, inter- that encounter is what sealed the deal. I'm right. getting into comics because of this guy.
0: Well, that kind of that kind of representation where someone can be the voice and the face of an industry and do it in a positive way. It is a very few creators, writers or uh, artists, get rich writing comics. Mm-hmm. Most of them are freelancers anymore. Now and you know very their most comic book companies hire these guys for a run, you know a book, yeah. You know and sometimes that stuff can get canceled out from underneath you. There's been uh, several titles in the last year that people have sat there and they have got everything going. And suddenly you know books work has been done on them, writing has been done, uh, artwork has been approved, and then it gets canceled for whatever reason. Um, and there's a lot of different reasons to cancel a title. Some of them good, some of them bad. But you can lose that suddenly. That's that job's gone. No. You, can, you know, and the contract basically says you can't do anything. Better.
1: You know what else is gone? We can't our time. Our time. We're at an hour. Oh wow! Look at that. You know, see, and and and, we can do and this you this were right. We couldn't do half an hour. Nope. There is no can way we you... could have done this in half an
0: hour. Yeah, we, we digress too much. I did want to say before we go, um, the I'm looking at the IndieWire uh, rating of the the various Stanley cameos. Right. And they, they have two. Uh, And the the number one and number two. I mean, there's 36 different cameos this guy's made, and and some of them are really, really fantastic. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two, where he's revealed to basically be a watcher, Mm
1: -hmm. which of course ties it all together. There's a reason he's in all. Everything
0: makes sense. He's he's there to be the watcher, He's an iconic character in in Marvel comics. X Men Apocalypse is the one they rated number one. X Men Apocalypse is not a good movie. It's got some (laughs) real problems, but they point out something, and I had forgotten this. It was the... He he does his cameo with his wife. Oh. And it's the one he's called upon to act in. Everything else, he's Stanley kind of being Stanley. He, it's... You see his face when the nuclear missiles are launched. And people have said that, and this is not the first time I've seen it, where they said the look on his face portrays the horror. Mm -hmm. And it's like, wait a minute. We don't think about Stanley acting. We right. think about Stanley making a cameo, and it's a funny bit, and it's like, "Oh look!" But no, and I think I might—I don't know if I'd argue that that was number one, but the fact that it was the last one, uh, the one he did with his wife. Okay, okay, he would have—he would have liked that being number one. I think so.
1: All right, so next week, yeah, we're going to talk about another one that we lost
0: this past year, and we might even stay on topic. Yeah, probably Maybe. Not. Well, I don't. Know. Unlikely. Well, I mean, it opens up a whole set of different discussions as well. Because oh. it's William Golding, Goldman, Goldman, Yes, the legacy of William Goldman, author of *The Princess Bride*. Among other things, *Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid*. The Kid. Uh, a, a very successful career as a writer in Hollywood. Yes,
1: and very influential on a number of people who write in Hollywood because mm-hmm. of his craft. Oh yeah. So we will be talking about that, and then after that, actually, we're going to have a plan. Of topics stuff. that we're going to talk, which means fun. that we can tell you ahead of time what we're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. And we might even get around to anime, right? So, all right. So, that's going to do it for us this week. <laughs> I want to thank everybody for joining us. Don't forget, superhero stuff.com. You mm-hmm. can get 10% off when you use the code me 10 at checkout. And we will be back to try this again next week. Yes. So, for all of us here
0: at sci-fi for me. Thank you guys for listening and watching. It's great to be back. Alright, we'll see you next week. Copyright 2019 by Flaming Dog Media LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media.